This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. I am Jeff Moss with my co-host Justin Spiro at Darko State News on Twitter and our producer as always who is in a great mood today, Jessica, because <laughs> real funny. Later uh, in this episode, I'm supposedly going to get my head engraved with uh, John Morosi, Fox uh, sports baseball writers uh, name on you know the back of my head or somewhere I don't know uh, some guy's coming in at six you, are you, you are found you off the street yeah are yeah you? no well I found him on Facebook he should be here a little bit after six and he actually you know carves things in people's heads for you know a living he does hair so your John Rossi is gonna look sweet what's his name uh, you know what his name is doesn't even know his name. This, 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 this guy no chance. This goes poorly. I don't know if anyone who saw. I knew it last week. It was, anyone who saw Fargo last night with uh, Hansi getting his hair cut and not, not sure if he was going to die or not at the hands of uh, Kristen. Well, I shouldn't maybe spoil it for anyone, but uh, that's what I'm going to be thinking when this guy's behind me with a pair of scissors. Some random off the street but he is a random dude yeah i've I've never met him before it was just somebody referred him over oh his name's brad and he is a baba brad the baba brad brad what could go wrong you should tell the audience about your pathetic attempt to half wiggle out of this by saying that he's going to carve it like (laughs) discreetly under a mop of your hair or something my jufro if i can't (laughs) that i've been growing for seven weeks see it without manipulation from across the room I, i i don't Feel the pet's it's been not, satisfied. Yeah, it's not really doing about? it. The tweet said, I would carve his name into my head. I didn't say how large it would be. I didn't I'm say not it, saying it has to be like large, but it has to be noticeable. Even if I can't read what it says, I need to be able to tell something is carved in your head from across the room. Yeah, it can't be like something you can cover up. That's yeah. not really I mean, satisfying. It's, uh, yeah, this, it's going to be something that I cover up. May I, as well shave it in your pubic hair. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. 
What? Uh, what? I'm saying about it's as mixed many company. As many people would see it as would, it would see this by the by the sound of it. So uh, all right. You know, anyway, way to just take the program right into the gutter right off the bat. You started it. Yeah, I started it. This is your this is your cross to bear. Yeah, it is. This, you brought this on. Anyway, so on tonight's show, we are going to discuss, among other topics, uh, maybe some Lions discussion, uh, the the uh, <laughs> three-game winning streak. Uh, Lions are going to face Green Bay in two two nights um, at home, looking to win their fourth in a row. Maybe we'll talk about some things I learned last week about the potential GM surge. Uh, might talk about the Pistons, the bipolar Detroit Pistons. You have no idea what you're going to get from not only one night to the next, basically one quarter to the next, as you learned last night, Justin, at the game. We can get into a little discussion about your conversation with Dwight Howard and how that went for you. And uh, we're going to have at 5.30 a special guest. I'm going to have to work on the pronunciation of his name. I'm going to have to go really slow here. Uh, his name is – oh, where is it? Hold on a second. Yeah, hi, let, me, let me see that for a second. I guess I gotta, this Samir not, this, this makes Mahir Bahatnagar look like an easy name, You know, our guest from last week. Uh, Prashanth is the first name, and the last name is, I think – hold on. Iyer. I-Y-E-R. So we're going to have him on. He, and we'll, we we will be coming up with a nickname for him, so we don't have PI to do this Magnum PI. Yeah, we'll come up, we'll come up with something so we don't have to do this because we think he's going to be a regular guest, a really sharp guy with the hockey analytics and sort of new age statistics in that in that regard. And he has some really interesting thoughts on the Red Wings. Yeah, he's got a lot of uh, stats to back up why Luke Lindenning Luke Lindenning and Drew Miller probably should not be. Uh, playing for the Detroit Red Wings. See Ferraro scored yesterday. Preaching to the choir. Did he really? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, three there was points. an article in the Boston Globe about uh, Ferraro a steal for the Bruins or oh, something. God. I was cracking up. I saw oh. that line. I did not know that he scored. So now he's got what a goal and two assists and like something a week. like that. Yeah, he's playing and well. That and triple the points that Drew Miller has and playing 13 minutes a game for you know the entire season. Uh, so we'll get to that with uh, Magnum Pi. I think that's what we'll, maybe that'll be his nickname. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, better than botching the situation. But let's let's start off with some Tigers discussion. Since we last spoke, uh, they went out and predictably got one of the second tier free agent pitchers on the market, um, a guy who uh, pitched on the team last season. That's costing me my haircut this uh, afternoon. Jordan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals, $22 million average salary over five years. I think the most boring part of the conversation regarding Zimmerman is if we like the deal or not. Obviously, we both are on board. Uh, I don't really think you can criticize the move. You know that the Tigers weren't going to go out and sign David Price, who, by the way, moments before we went on the air, inked a seven-year $217 million deal with David Dombrowski. Uh, the, what, the highest average price for a pitcher in the history of baseball. 
tied with Miguel Cabrera, I think, for overall average salary. It, I, I just read seventh largest okay. uh, in, in history, most for a pitcher. So yeah. there's a few. So he's basically there. getting seven million dollars more than Max Scherzer, and the money probably isn't going to be deferred. So you know the Tigers were never were never going to get him for a myriad of reasons. One, I don't think you ever wanted to play for Brad Osmus again. Well, I, I, I think they would have had to top the offer he just signed with Boston to to bring him back. I mean, oh, it, oh yeah, they, well, they, would have, they would have had to even offer more. There would have been a uh, a um, bonus for having to deal with Osmus this season, probably because obviously those two really didn't appear to get along at all. And he probably had to kick an extra five million for him to have to be you know subjected to interviews with Lynn Henning. So they weren't getting price. Granke is going to get $30 million a year, and he's already, and you're going to be dealing with going up against the Giants and the Dodgers, and I can't imagine the Tigers really winning that bidding war. So they were going to get, it would appear from you know basically what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, they were going to get Cueto, and they, or they were going to get Zimmerman or Samarja, one of those three. And they all have question marks. Samarja's coming off a year where his traditional stats were horrible, his advanced metrics make it out. Maybe it was an anomaly. Maybe he'll get better. But if you're giving him $20 million for five years, there's going to be a big question mark there. Johnny Cueto was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde down the stretch with Kansas City. You know, he pitched one game in the playoffs great, and the next gets, gets shelled the next time. I don't think there's any guarantee with Johnny Cueto. Um, and he would probably cost 3 or $4 million a year more for maybe maybe a, a year at more. So I don't think you can complain about the Zimmerman deal at all. I think it's fair. Uh, there's questions about his velocity, questions about facing the American League for the first time in his career uh, on an everyday basis. But I, I don't know. Is, is there anything else you want to add about that? No, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, I, I think we stand in agreement there. Uh, it's hard to have a strong reaction one way or the other, either uh, – greatly excited or for some reason furious i mean you know it's i think it's a neutral solid signing it's something that they had to do you can't have that rotation back as it was last year after that price trade I mean, they had to bring in someone that would eat innings and, and pitch well so i think it's a nice move again we have to see what happens going forward and i think that brings us to our next point well the thing I that's mean, interesting about the deal to me is for the first few years it's it's the, the deal's backloaded He's going to make $18 million a season, this uh, $18 million this year, next year. Then it's going to get bumped up to, I think, 24 and 25 on the last th- four, year four and five. You wonder if the Tigers are doing this in anticipation of their next move. And it's been telegraphed by Al. How are we going? Are we going he, wants, he wants Avila now. Okay, so, Avila. Yeah. Okay. He wants to go with the, his departed son's yes. uh, pronunciation. It, it sounds like everything that's coming out of Comerica Park, that the next move is going to be a third or fourth tier starting pitcher. And this is where I don't understand what the hell they're thinking. I have no problem with anything they've done this year. I don't have an issue with getting Maidman if he's going to be your Rajai Davis this year, a quasi third, fourth outfielder who can fill in at any position out there. I love the K-Rod deal. They basically gave up nothing to get a closer and a guy who's coming off two very good seasons. We like the Zimmerman move, even though it's no guarantee. What I don't understand is if this team has all of this money still at their disposal, if they only spent $18 million on Zimmerman, why are we not talking about getting one of the big corner outfielders? 
That's what this team needs more than anything, including Doug Fister, Chris Young, uh, Scott Kazmir, someone along those lines who I'm guessing one of those three guys will probably be the next signing of this team. Why are we hearing nothing about a corner outfielder when, as it stands, two guys who have a real hard time getting on base and don't have a lot of power in Ghost and Mabin are two-thirds of that outfield? And, you know, I was looking earlier today and I'm looking again now at MLBTradeRumors.com, which is generally regarded as, as the best uh, independent Major League Baseball website for analysis and projections. They actually nailed David Price's year-end term to the exact cent. Pretty impressive. They have Jason Hayward listed as the number two free agent behind David Price this year, even ahead of Zach Greinke. So we're seeing things uh, on Twitter, people saying Hayward's overrated. Look at his numbers. He's not that good. You mentioned in our show prep today He's not great necessarily, anything offensively, but he's good to very good across the board, and he is exceptional defensively. So I think you know the projection on MLB, MLB trade rumors, which tends to be pretty close, they were within a million on Zimmerman as well, is 10 years, $200 million, so 20 a year for a 10-year contract. It's not our money, obviously. It's easy for us to say, but wouldn't you rather have Jason Hayward in here right now in the two-hole in that lineup, and then just take your chances with a combination of Boyd and Shane Green or whomever trying to come out of spring training. And I, you know, as much as I want Darren O'Day, I would be okay with them making a smaller signing than that in the bullpen. I would go all in on Hayward or, you know, you extend down to Cespedes or, or whatever. I think that's the biggest hole on, on this team now. You've got to get one of those four. If you want, look, if you want to compete for a World Series next year, and the owner of the team, I'll re- I will read uh, what he said yesterday, Mike Illich, at the press conference announcing the Zimmerman signing. I'm supposed to be a good boy and not go over the threshold. If I'm going to get certain players that can help us a lot, I will go over it. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. There was this whole narrative coming out of that press conference that Mike Illich is back. He's there, down there, and he wants to win, and money is no is no um, obstacle. That's a bunch of bullshit if the plan is to go get one of those third or fourth tier starting pitchers, getting the, maybe getting a third tier reliever or two. Why is, sorry to interrupt you, but why is Zimmerman even up there at that podium or at that, you know, that, in that press conference? Why is he there? If money's no object. I mean, if money's no object, we would have seen Zach Grinke sitting there or David Price sitting there or, 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 or even Jason Hayward and Zimmerman. Or, or O'Day, maybe. Hayward, yeah. um, Zimmerman. It's, I mean, money is definitely – and it was crazy. We were talking about this before we went on the air when we were doing the show prep. You had Illich spitting fairy tales about how the – you know, oh, I'll, I'll get to the luxury tax. I'll, you know, I know they told me not to, but I'll, I'll do it. You had him making these grandiose comments like he's want to do when he's up there on the on that dais because he wants love, he wants the affection. Oh yeah, they and signed then, Mike Madonna. He's saying "cuppy, cuppy, cuppy." I right. feel it. Mean, this, this is yeah, he does this, this is, every time. This is his. This is his. His uh, Bojangles act. I mean, he gets up there and it's nothing's changed. But don't sell me that crap when your general manager is sitting next to you while you're saying money is no object and we'll spend anything up to the even going above the luxury tax threshold, which is what, $189 million or something? Why are you saying that? And Al Avila is saying, uh, 
well, we're going to go get another guy, but it's not going to be in the shopping aisle of a Zimmerman, meaning $22 million or $20, 22000000 million a year. No talk about getting one of these corner outfielders. It was, like I said before the show started, it was like Bizarro World where the owner is making all of these, you know, huge, you know, comments about spending that, and the general manager's pulling them back. Like, where does that happen? It's usually, like you said, it's usually the owner telling the, the GM, no, no, no. It, it, it was a bunch of bullshit yesterday. I mean, in, in the media just laps it up. They, it was, they just loved it. And, but... How about the substance? If you're not going to get Cespedes, Upton, Hayward, or Gordon, this offseason to me is a failure. And like you said, can you imagine this lineup? If you, He's 26 years old. He's put up a 13-war, Hayward, the last two years. You're telling me $20 million a year for 10 years, so you take him into his age 36 season? that the value is not going to be there for a guy with a Dave Parker-esque arm who's got I – think, I think he led the league in defensive run save from a corner outfield position last year. You put him in the number two spot in the top five in that order in, in some combination is Kinsler, Hayward, Miggy, J.D., I guess fifth, hoping Victor is some something not like a corpse that he was last year. That's pretty formidable, especially when the alternative is a guy like Maben who can't get on base, has no power, and has reverse platoon splits. So he's not even a good platoon option really with 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 goats. I don't I don't understand what their plan is. Is their plan Tyler Collins rolling the dice with Stephen Moya? And you're gonna and, and Mike Illich, you have the, the the audacity to sit up there and tell me money's not an option is is no barrier, and that you're willing to go. Well, last time I checked, they're old eighteen million dollars a year for Zimmerman right now, and with the money that's come off and with the guys they have to pay for arbitration, they're still a long ways away from one hundred eighty nine million, and a third tier starter and another couple of relief pitchers that aren't named Darren O'Day or Joaquin Soria ain't getting you there. No, and I don't even think anywhere close. I mean, you looked at they were a better team, a better group last year in the first half of the season before selling, and they were, you know, toiling around 500 at and slightly above. Some injuries there, of course, and Berlander's underachieving, that's fine, but it's hard to see this team making any great leaps without significant changes. As far as the going after another pitcher, you have to figure the rotation right now, season starts tomorrow, would be Verlander. Zimmerman, Sanchez, Norris at four, I would put, and then five up in the air. You know, we don't know yet. Obviously, some combination of Boyd, Green, you know, maybe they'd share it. Maybe one would seize it in spring training. I don't even care that much about the fifth starter. I think any of those guys might end up being a competent fifth. But if you really want to sign someone, this is the deepest class in a long time. Again, MLB Trade Rumors has Mark Burley is going. He could go for one year, five mil. I mean, who cares? I take him five. That's what I'm saying. He he has a. I know you hate ERA, but he has a sub four ERA for the last five years. I mean, he's a, he's a good solid pitcher. He's your fifth starter. He'd be a 
decent third or fourth. Not for a team that's going to win the title necessarily, but the fifth starter doesn't pitch in the postseason anyway. You just need a competent fifth starter. And again, I, I want Darren O'Day, but I would take that corner outfielder over anything. I don't know who they're kidding. I I think Victor will be better than he was this past season, but his days are done. He's a it, huge question mark. He's, he's not an elite hitter. He's not going to finish runner up for the MVP anytime again. I mean, that's just it's over. And uh, not to say that he won't be effective in some way, but the days of him being elite are done. All right, this is a this was a good recap of where the Tigers' financial um, situation lies right now, and give credit where credit's due. This was from Anthony Fennick in the Detroit Free Press last week. He did a breakdown of how much money they've got uh, um, invested already and where they're where they're at. So here, let me I'll just quote Fennick. That puts the Tigers between 135 and 140 million with a speculative with a speculative $40 million left to spend to stay in line with last year's $173 million payroll. Baseball's luxury tax limit for 2016 is $189 million. Okay, so let's just say it's at the high end of that estimate after arbitration and all that, which the Tigers usually are pretty great. They, they try to avoid arbitration and usually pay a little more just to not have to get into that back and forth with you know and downgrade your player in front of a neutral umpire. So let's just say it's $140 million. It's now 158 after the Zimmerman. So you still, to get to, just to get to the, let's just say 188, so you don't get to the luxury tax. Because I don't think, I'm not saying that you got to spend $189 million. I think 189 is the limit, and then it kicks in. But right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so right. let's say we don't even, we're not even asking Mr. Illich to pay that luxury tax. Let's just say we're going to get to $188 million, because that works good, because it's $30 million left. You couldn't get Hayward one more bullpen arm and a guy like Burley or someone for that five or six million. I mean, Hayward's projected to go on a long-term deal for 20. I mean, Even, you yeah, could I, sign him for 20, Burley for five, you know, or a Burley type for five, and, you know, another reliever. For, I mean, they have obviously other spots to fill, but you can always plug holes with minimum. Or I don't, and, I, and I'm I mean, not even – I my listen, Shane Green in 2014 was a pretty good pitcher, right? Yep. He had – Obvious problems with his, uh, with his, um, with that blood clot or whatever they've had. Yep. He's had surgery. I don't want to go into the technical term because I'll botch the name like I did our first guest today. But um, so maybe he rebounds. You're telling me that Shane Green might not be able to put up similar numbers to Doug Fister, who seems like is. Not the Doug Fister that we had when he left. That's a, and, and he I, might be a little better, but the difference between Doug Fister and Shane Green, or Shane Green Boyd, and or and maybe maybe you let Fulmer start down in Toledo, let him pitch in April and May down there, and hopefully based on his trajectory, he's ready to be the fifth starter in June, or even better yet, it seems to me. It's almost easier to trade for a starting pitcher at the deadline, if you're in it, than a corner outfielder. Like someone, I mean, we got David Price, who just signed a seven-year, $217 million contract. One of the preeminent pitchers of his era, and who just got paid, respectively, for his abilities. We got Daniel Norris and a couple other guys. For Cespedes, a corner outfielder, we got pretty much almost a similar package. 
I'm thinking you see where you are in June and July by going and getting one of those top four corners. And if you have to, maybe Derek Hill develops. And this is a product. Maybe, that, I mean, maybe Bo Burrows is. So you have guys now who you can, unlike last year when they really had nothing to trade for, which is why we, you and I were on the you know, front end of the sell bandwagon. Now you've got guys. I know Jacoby Jones is going to um, miss games because of a drug suspension, but there's guys that in that farm system now, guys that other pieces from the Cespedes trade and the and the uh, price deal, guys that they drafted last year, the farm system is not as barren as it was. So if look, I'd say if I'm Illich to Avila, go get one of the corners. Ride with the green Boyd, whatever, as the fifth starter, which how many, with, with the weather in April, who knows how many times you even need a fifth starter. See how that plays out for a couple months. If you're in it, go trade for a, one of the guys who's a 2017 pending free agent starter as your three or four guy. Instead of doing it now, it makes no sense to me why they're hell-bent on adding another starter when their biggest hole is replacing Cespedes. And I, I think, you know, you're saying the difficulty in acquiring that corner outfielder, it's a function of and result of the change in the game now. I mean, uh, offense is now more than ever at a premium, whereas, you know, in the early 2000s, most of the 90s as well, getting a David Justice at the deadline was constant. There were three or four of those guys every year moving from one league to the other and moving at the deadline. There's not that many impact bats anymore, guys that are reliable. Even Cespedes played over his head uh, after that trade. I, I, I think we could not be in any more agreement than we are. And, again, this is not something – there's no urgency to, f- to fix that fifth starter position. I mean, I, I would, as you said, give it – There's you. no urgency from us. There seems to be – Well, no, there should – right. I think, from but us, I think, there should be. I think they're penning, penning in Norris as the fifth guy. And saying they're got to go get someone like Casimir. Yeah, I don't know if Leak. How much Leak's going to get? I someone like that is their number four. But I'm saying you've got it. You, if the if the Tigers are going to compete next year, they're going to need to have forget the fill-ins. You know, getting Zimmerman, K. Rod. Okay, that's all great. They're going to need vast improvement from Nick Castellanos. They're going to need improvement from. Anthony Ghost, he's going to have to be more. He's going to have to be a lot more like the guy he was for the first two months in the last three or four months. They're going to need Kinsler not to regress. They're going to need Victor to. Verlander is going to have to be the Verlander we saw in the second half. Annabelle Sanchez is going to have to rebound from having a horrendous season. There's so many things that they're going to need that you can't, in my opinion, rely on this horrid. Outfield that, and, and that they have right now. We haven't even really discussed much at all the bullpen, which has been a disaster for years and has been the biggest weakness. If they don't sign a Darren O'Day type or trade for an impact, they're not. Trade, they're not. I mean, they've basically well, it, said they're not. If the, but I don't care that, if you give me Hayward in two five, so thirty million dollars. I would take Hayward over anyone, but I'm saying in, they're. Not, I don't think they're going to do either, and that's my point. I don't think they're signing the impact corner outfielder or going after the elite bullpen arm. There was a report today, and I know you're going to crush me for this. I've been asking for this guy for about five years, but the Washington Nationals will give away Jonathan Papelbon. He's owed $14 million. They'll pay for more than half of it to give him away just to get some of that money off the books. 
I would call the Nationals, offer some single-A prospect, say we'll pick up four or five million of the 14 and we'll take them right now, move K-Rod to the eight. Papelbon has been consistently one of the best pitchers in baseball. And now you have, you give up pretty much nothing and you have a very affordable fix of the bullpen. You sign your corner outfielder, whether it's Gordon, Hayward, Cespedes, or whomever. And then if you want to sign an old turd like Cologne or Burley for your fifth starter, so be it. And you can do all of that and add another bullpen arm and stay within that 31 mil. So that's what I would do. I, you got to go steal a bullpen arm. You have to find value somewhere. One of the best pitchers in baseball the last 10 years out of the bullpen, Papelbon, available for nothing. Just go get him. Listen, if the, if the alternative is, you know, two, four, or five million dollar reliever arms and Scott Kazmir or take on that schmuck, Papelbon, and all the baggage that he has. Look, I I agree, but they need Gordon Cespedes. Yeah, Hayward. we we agree I mean, there. We agree. My, One we're, last we're thing there. on the Tigers, and then we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back with uh, our hockey, uh, our new hockey expert analytics from uh, North Carolina. I think he's a, uh, I think he's a uh, um, doctor to be, doctor to be a medical student. We might have our second it's, doctor it's ever. Incredible. In it's our incredible how years. many how many attorneys and doctors we have in this group. You yeah. know, it's, it's actually a very well refined group. The last topic is Illich's quote about Scherzer, which, I mean, the media was trying to sell us on the fact how lucid he was and he's back and all that stuff. And you, I think we had mentioned uh, outside waiting for Jessica to get here. We were saying, what? Why are you going to put me on blast? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Why? Because you've been, for two weeks, you've been in a, doing a victory dance about me getting my head shaved. But anyway... I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> um, the guy mistook how many World Series he's presided over his owner. He said, what, two to three? Two or three? He said, how many uh, World uh, Series do three, we have? Three? Three? Been three? We've been in three World Series and we haven't gotten it done. Like, how many games does Mike Illich think we won in that third World Series yeah, that we he got thinks we're, He thinks we're one in 12 in those three World did Series. Did we win maybe two games in that World Did we knit maybe in that third World Series that he's thinking about? Did we not get shut down by Anthony Reyes, Jeff Weaver, uh, a dead Ted I, I wonder if the Tigers were a prohibitive favorite in the fiction uh, third World Series. I, I wonder if that third World Series in Mike Illich's head, if Tigers pitch starting pitchers were throwing the ball all over the field. I, I I I don't know, but here was this quote about Max Scherzer, which um, I, I I'm still just confounded about. Quote: We made him an offer, and it looked like he was going to take it. And all of a sudden, he wanted a little bit more. It irked me a little bit. I figured, how much you want? I just asked you about what you want, and he tells me, and then he wants more. Forget about him, or forgot about him. I don't. The quote is forgot about him in the paper. I don't know what he was trying to say there. Um, what is he talking about? I mean, it wasn't like Max Scherzer left the Tigers over like the um, who's the Jeff Harding's deal with? Remember the Harding's like wanted like a hundred thousand dollars more, and Matt Millen said, "I'm drawing the line," and he went on to have an end his great career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was a difference between like seventy million dollars. Tiger's last offer was like what one hundred forty, and he got two ten. I don't care; the money's deferred. He got them. He's getting the money. The Scherzer heirs are going to have that money. So, I, you know, if a franchisee for Little Caesars comes by and says, I'll give you 
250000 for this franchisee, and then someone else comes by and says, I'll give you 400000 Is Mike Illich going to take the $250,000 offer? He's a businessman. His bitterness towards Scherzer is very reminiscent of his bitterness towards Sergei Fedorov. And I, I just don't get a guy. I just don't understand it. Well, and I, I mostly agree. I, I will defend Illich on this point, and this is something I said at the time from a, a Tiger source who has been mostly very good, and that'll be a topic for another day. But my understanding from speaking to the Tiger source, it was very blunt, and it, it's consistent with what Illich said to the press, is that they went to Scherzer and his representation, and they said, you know, we want to sign you. What will it take? His camp got back to them with the number and term, Illich offered, the Tigers offered the exact uh, amount of money average, but for one last season. And the uh, Scherzer and his agent basically just walked away and said, no, we're not negotiating anymore, and that's done, and we're too far apart. So, I mean, that that's pretty consistent with what he said. I mean, I, obviously, that one year off, I guess the Tigers offered one, one less year than they had requested. But he pretty much did meet Scherzer's demands, and then Scherzer just walked away. So I get... Why, as a businessman, if you say, look, what is it going to take to sign you, you tell me, I offer it to, to you, and you don't sign the deal. I get why that would upset somebody, but f- I don't think it's a huge deal. Certainly, Scherzer has the right to change his mind, and it was a, a brilliant decision to change his mind and be patient and bet on himself. So I, you know, I'll defend Illich a little bit, but again, this is very consistent with what we've seen from the vindictive nature of Mike Illich. This is how he is. If you cross him, I mean, he was the same way with Juan Gonzalez, thank God, in, in that case. But Juan Gonzalez wanted to take that deal about two months in and uh, after turning it down early in the year, that eight-year, $140 million at the time. So, you know, again, this is – it's not really surprising, but I think it's it's ridiculous for Illich to be um, argued as a, a lucid individual when he I, – I, I thought that was a very overrated and un, under – I think it was. I think the media missed the mark. Uh, I'll put it that way. I think there's this narrative going out there right now from the media, almost unanimously, that Mike Illich is back. He's lucid. He's with it. This is. He's as determined as ever. Again, we hit on that a little bit. He didn't seem lucid to me. He seemed very frail. For the second time in a month, we've had a team owner be helped up by Waylon Smithers s figure <laughs> to the podium. Uh, you know, again, this is something that is of concern. And what we understand, and you and I have different sources saying the same thing on this, when that ownership transition takes place, if they don't sell, which we also think is a likely possibility, the number's coming down. So I do think it's an interesting point with Zimmerman being at $18 million for the first two years of this deal. I think they're looking at that as the window. But again, for Illich's vindictiveness has cost both of his pro sports franchises quite a bit, I think, in the long term. One last quote from Illich. We're doing everything we can to make sure we get as many good players that are out there. I might sound silly, but it's true. I think I've proved that over the years. I don't care about spending money. I've never reneged on signing a big player ever, except for Max Scherzer, who went out and threw two no-hitters. And, and yeah, I mean, reneged re- isn't even really the word. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. I don't know why I even yeah. use that term. But well, I, it's it, probably the same reason he thought that the Tigers played in three World Series under yeah, his Yeah, well, there you go. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk some Red Wings hockey with our special guest. You know, the break music is going to be all rap music tonight, and that's because that Thanksgiving performance by Big Sean, like, that's today's rap music. I People were accusing me of being an old man on Twitter because I thought that was garbage. 
is is that the millennial rap music? That's not. I mean, I don't even know what that was. Big, Sh- do you know Big Sean, Jessica? What that? W- yeah. Is that that's rap music? I don't. I don't. You know what? I didn't watch the game oh on Thanksgiving. What, what was that? What song it's, it's was not, it? It's not I have it, no I idea. I don't know the name is. It's not what I would classify as rap. There is a song that I no. It's it's not really gangster rap anymore. It's all hip hop. Well, we're going to play some gangster rap tonight in our break. So we're going to go do that, and then we'll uh, be back with our guest talking some Red Wing hockey. And stay tuned. In about an hour, I'm going to be getting a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Things are different when you're off. This is a previously recorded episode. We are back on the Detroit Sports Rag podcast. I am Jeff Moss. He is Justin Spiro. Going to talk a little Red Wings hockey tonight. And we've got a special guest on the line all the way from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm going to try not to butcher his name. He's a contributor with Winging It in Motown, special specialization in hockey advanced analytics. Prashant Iyer? Yes, sir. Wow, I nailed it. I got the last name with the help of your mom, though, because she just called to see when you were going to be on and how she could listen to it. <laughs> so I just want to, I want to apologize to Mrs. Iyer that you had to listen to Esham during the commercial break there. That's not exactly for everyone, but uh, thanks for joining us. I definitely wanted to have you on because something that uh, your your website affiliation and my website has been basically uh, banging on for the last few weeks is why Jeff Blaschel continues to throw out Drew Miller and Luke Lindenning's line on a regular basis, not only against the number one line a lot of times, for the opposition. He's done that. Uh, I, I think the Alex Ovechkin-Washington Capital games have uh, really stood out. But why these guys supposedly on a third, excuse me, on a fourth line are playing almost 14 minutes a game. And I'm just wondering, you, as, uh, as I said before, your specialization is some of the advanced analytics. What are they telling you about Glenn Denning and Miller's productivity? Yeah, I mean... So you're absolutely right for the most, uh, for the, I guess the beginning part of the first half of the season, really through that Washington Capitals game where Ovechkin got 15 shots, they were definitely using Glendening and Miller against that top line. And for a period of time, uh, Glendening was averaging more even strength minutes than Zetterberg, which is never really something you want as a Red Wings team. And so diving into the five on five numbers, one of the numbers we look at is core side four or shot attempts for. And what we're looking for that is it's the percentage of shot attempts that your team takes when you're on the ice. And of the 383 forwards who have played 100 minutes at 5-on-5 five five this season, Glendening ranks 380th and Miller ranks 378th in this statistic. So basically what, what that's saying is when Glendening, when Glendening is on the ice, the Wings are only taking 37.9% of the shot attempts. And that's almost 13% down from their season average. And when Miller's on the ice, it jumps to 38.7. But when you put them both on the ice, in the 173 minutes they've been on the ice together, it drops to 34.3%. So you're talking about the other team is attempting 66% of the shots when these guys are on the ice. And we know from a lot of the work that's been done that a lot that these continued shot attempts have, will translate to goals eventually. And what happened is that during last season, it really didn't. They were, they were both around 40 to 42% last season. 
But Glendening was on the ice for only 26 goals against, and he had, was on the ice for 29-4. So a lot of people thought it was a wash. But this season, Glendening's been on the ice for 40% of the five-on-five goals the Wings have given up. And he's only been on the ice for 25% of the five-on-five minutes. It doesn't seem like the Red Wings have a lot invested in an analytics department. Um, Because you would think the stuff that you're reciting would be plain as day to anyone that understands math. Your background, you're going to school to become a doctor, right? You're UNC? So I'm actually, I'm a pharmacist already. I've completed school. I'm actually... undergoing a residency training now at UNC Hospital. So that's that's my background. So have you applied for a job in any analytics department for the Red Wings to maybe explain this crap to him? Because it doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like the, the Wings, they, they man their front office with former Wings, like going out and getting Kirk Malpe and, I don't know, letting Joe Koser run a video uh, machine. Mm-hmm. What, what, is your, what is your knowledge of what the Red Wings are doing with, st- with these advanced metrics. It doesn't seem like they're doing anything or they wouldn't be continuing to make these mistakes. Yeah, and so this summer there was a small press release saying that they hired an analytics guy, but they didn't really elaborate on what his role would be with the team. And I've yet to see any comment further, um, you know, about anything that he's doing in relation to the team. I don't know if he's advising them or just providing some sort of numbers, but... It is clear, at least for the most part, when I'm comparing regimes, Blaschel to Babcock, Blaschel seems to be making some changes that make sense, but this is still the big sticking point for me with him. That this is the, 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 the line deployment of Glendening and Miller still doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I'm not really sure what they're doing in the analytics department, aside from the fact that they did hire a guy that's... Someone time. that we don't know who it is. And, th- and this is what I said on, I was on Lansing Radio yesterday, it's 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 even more frustrating than having Babcock because Blashill, like I would estimate eighty percent of the stuff that he's changed from the Babcock era has been positive stuff. You know, Larkin's playing on the first line as a nineteen year old. Who knows if he would have made the team if Babcock was still here? Absolutely. Uh Pulkinen has got obviously a lot more playing time than he did under uh Mike Babcock. He broke up uh and you probably go into stats on this, the pairing of Cronwell and Erickson. It took him a few weeks, but he finally did it, and it seems to improve both of their games by separating them. Um, oh, absolutely. There's been a lot of positives. I mean, I, I really like what Blaschel's doing, which is makes this Don Kelly-esque um, <laughs> insistence on not only playing a fourth line against the number one line. I mean, I don't know how – you're obviously a lot younger than me, but back in the day of the Red, you know, when the Red Wings were uh, – winning cups or competing every year, getting to the Final Four, their, their, their second line or first line was always going up against the other team's first or second line. I mean, you had Sergei Fedorov going matched up against Sackick or Forsberg. You didn't have, yeah. you know, you didn't really, and, and that's when they had a very quality fourth line, but you still didn't yeah. you just say, okay, we're going to let the grind line take on the number one line and, and let the other coach dictate to us, our game plan by by basically, like you said, forcing Glenn Denning to play more than Zetterberg for stretches of time. It just, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's made zero sense to me. And, I mean, honestly, just if I'm being blunt about it, both Glenn Denning and Miller are AHL-caliber players um, based on everything we've seen. And, 
the, the consistent usage of them against the top line has been a sticking point. And what I've noticed is since that Ovechkin game, they haven't been matching them against the top line. And their numbers have improved a little bit. I talked uh, a little bit last week about how Glenn Denning's course line numbers prior to that switch was 36%. Since the switch is 43%, still not great. But, you know, you can't afford to put a line out there for 12, 15 minutes a night that is just going to get peppered with shots. I think you tweeted uh, out something about how many times have the Red Wings lost third-period leads in the last month with the two of them on the ice? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, four of the last seven third-period collapses have had Luke Lindenning on the ice. Uh, or Sorry, not four of the last seven. It's three of the last four and five of the seven for the season where the Wings have allowed a third-period goal, Glenn Denning has been on the ice. Um, and it's, it's part of the fact, you know, looking at the other numbers, it's not like the Wings are giving up more shot attempts or that they're giving up more scoring chances, but it's, it's when he's on the ice for some reason there's been this weird correlation that, you know, the Wings are going to get driven back in their zone. And part of it has to do with um, kind of how the Wings deploy him I've noticed uh, with the help of a, um, a guy named Micah Blake McCurdy who runs Ineffective Math, he pointed out that the Wings actually are well aware of Glenn Denning's struggles, and what they try to do is they actually try to start his shifts when he's in the offensive zone. He actually has the most favorable offensive shift deployment. 25% of it, all his shifts, including on the fly and uh, off of faceoff, start in the offensive zone when the team average is 21%. But what's happening is as soon as he's getting deployed, the wings are immediately driven back into their zone where you have some sort of face-off that's generated behind them. Let's talk about so, one. Let's talk about some positive uh, Red Wings advanced math news, and that is the play of Dylan Larkin. I saw that you were absolutely. tweeting some stats about him. Uh, obviously, a layman can watch the game and, and just look at his stats and see that pretty much when he's on the ice, the Red Wings are a lot you know, in the opponent zone a lot more than they are not. Uh, what What is your five-on-five five stats with Larkin showing you? Yeah, so Larkin is one of Detroit's best uh, possession players. He's been fantastic this season. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're looking at him, part of the things that have stood out to me is just how productive he's been uh, in terms of scoring goals. Like his course uh, percentage that we're looking at is actually 52.2. Um, comparing that to the Glendening and the Miller, you can see – what you sacrifice by using this line uh, ahead of Larkin. But I think the most impressive thing about him is he's been his goal scoring. So he's got nine goals. Uh, but if you look at it, he's only playing about 13 and a half minutes at five on five every night. Um, so those nine five on five goals he scored, when you actually translate that over his time on ice, he's actually scoring more goals per six, per 60 minutes of five on five ice time than Alex Ovechkin. And that's, very, very impressive when you're talking about a 19-year-old and possibly the greatest goal scorer of our generation. So, you know, this kid is he's something else, and his speed, his his ability to really generate the shot attempts in the offensive zone, I think John Butchergrass from SportsCenter had a great tweet about it a couple of days ago. He said, it's not that Larkin is playing with Zetterberg, it's that Zetterberg's playing with Larkin. And Zetterberg is lucky to be playing with Larkin because, you know, his speed allows him to recover, prevent shot attempts against him, and he's able to get the puck right back in the zone. Uh, so it's very, very impressive to watch. Prashantha, it's Justin Spiro. I want to take a quick step back into the special teams units and just maybe help me understand you obviously have a, a stronger grip on this than I do, 
But you're talking, obviously, in great detail about Miller and Glendening struggles, which uh, I think bear out both from the eye test and the numbers you're looking at. I'm curious why the Wings, in your opinion, have one of the better shorthanded units in the league. Last I checked, uh, tied for third. Uh, is it in spite of them, or is it just the goaltending? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we all tend to fall victim to having a short memory. And so right now our power, or our penalty kill percentage is sitting at 85% fourth in the league. Um, you know, one of the top units, like you mentioned. And Glendening and Miller have both played more than 55% of the available uh, time on ice to be shorthanded. So you would think a lot of that's attributed to them. But if you actually go back to this day last year through 24 games, our penalty kill was 86%, better than where it is right now, same usage as Glendening and Miller, and we finished the season at 80.9%. And so I think right now what it is is we're getting lucky because of our goaltending. So if you take a look at Peter Morazic, right now if you were to look at shorthanded save percentage among all goaltenders who have played at least 30 minutes shorthanded, Morazic's save percentage is 929 that's second in the NHL. And when you compare that to last year, his save percentage was 879. So you're talking about he's, you know, 5% better this season. And that 5% is a big deal because if you were to say use Morazic's 879 save percentage this season, on our numbers, our penalty kill actually drops from 85% to 80%. So that's a 5% difference based on just the 5% increase in Morazic's save percentage. So it's a dramatic difference, and we're getting outstanding goaltending right now, especially from Peter Morazic, who, like I said, is number two. And if that goaltending drops off, which I expect it will, because, like I said, Morazic's at 92.9% last season of all the goalies who played uh, greater than 150 minutes, only six goalies finished with a save percentage greater than 90, and only one was better than 91.2%. So it's unlikely Morazic is going to sustain this level of goaltending. You're going to see him start to drop back off, come back to earth. Even if it is only the 90%, you're still talking a 3% drop. Um, and you're going to see the penalty kill numbers drop off in the next 20 to 30 games. I, I would definitely bet on that. You tweeted out some line combinations that I think you think, and I agree, would be a big improvement uh, with this team and might avoid some of these uh, third-period collapses. Uh, And, you know, the margin of error for this team to make the playoffs this year is probably as small as it's, you know, it's been. Um, Maybe maybe a little better chance than when some of those injury plague seasons. But these were the line combinations that you had tweeted out. A first line of Datsuk with Larkin and Zetterberg, a second line of... uh, Tatar, Nyquist, and Shahan, a third line of Yurko, Pulkinen, centered by Richards, and then a fourth line, which is just exponentially better than what we've got right now, of Double A getting called up from Grand Rapids, centering a line with Helm and Abdulkader. Now, I know it's a, you know, you probably don't want to put on, you know, announce one week that you just gave a huge contract extension for like $30 million to a guy who really should be a fourth-line player. But it seems yep. to me those combinations, uh, the, the Red Wings would have, is, you know, I'm not saying they'd have four lines that could roll as good as anyone in the league, but those are, those are four damn impressive lines to me. And with the goaltending they're getting, I, I, I just can't believe that they'd be better, they wouldn't be better off than they are right now. 
Yeah, and you know the way I viewed those line combinations working was if you think about, there's a couple of different ways NHL coaches use their lines. One is they like to lean on three lines heavily, and then their fourth line a little bit, and then you have the coaches who like to roll four lines. And right now Detroit's caught in the issue where they're trying to roll four lines and you don't have four lines. So if you want to roll four lines, you got to put four or you got to put three guys out there who could handle those fourth line responsibilities. And so. When I was thinking about line combinations, you obviously have that top line with an absurd, like they have an absurd amount of skill. That line is going to dominate the puck 65, 70% of the time. I mean, if you go back to, uh, 2007, 2008, when you had Datsuk, Zetterberg, and, uh, Holmstrom on that top line, that top line had a course side percentage of around 66, 67%, one of the best of the modern era that we've been able to track. And I think you can have a similar number with those guys. Shahan, Tatar, and Nyquist have also put up consistently good numbers over the last three seasons whenever they're combined. Their numbers are usually between 56 and uh, 58% right now for the season. They're sitting at 56.99% as a three-man unit, not individually, but when they're on the ice together, that's their uh, course side percentage. And then when you drop down to that Richards, Polkinen, and Yurko, you're finally giving Yurko and Polkinen talented teammates, I think, They've had such poor usage over the last year and a half in terms of getting thrown on the fourth line and not having anybody to create. And Polkinen's kind of a guy who needs someone to create for him. He's got a, a gifted passer in Richards. And then that fourth line is all speed. I mean, you've got Abdelkader, you've got uh, Helm, and then you've got AA. I mean, that line's going to buzz circles around you. You can talk about working the cycle down low. I don't think you're going to find a better cycling group in the NHL. So that would be a four-man unit you could easily run uh, four lines for, but I'm not, I'm not certain we're going to get there. And I keep, every time I tweet those lines out, I always say this is an idealistic scenario. I don't ever see this happening based on the money given to Abdelkader, the affair with Glendening and Miller. I just don't see it happening, but I would love to. I know you've taken a lot of brushback from Red Wings fans because I think a lot of Detroit hockey fans kind of fell for the narrative that Glendening had shut down Tampa's first line in the playoffs last year and I think when he got hurt in uh, game four and Johnson scored two goals while he was out I think it yep. almost became mythicized that oh my god uh, only Glenn Denning can stop Tyler Johnson um, and I, I even fell for it a little I think I've come to my senses but do you think that's where all this started because if you it's like you go after Drew Miller and Luke Glenn Denning it's it really is similar to the Don Kelly stuff like they just... Yeah, I mean, that's, I actually thought the pretty a similar thought about a week ago, just with, you know, how Jim Leland would just always put Don Kelly on him, never made any sense. But, you know, it's kind of multifactorial. If you think about it, if I, I'm going after two Michigan boys, one's from Michigan, one's from Michigan State. Um, you're talking about how they, how Glenn Denny, basically, you're right. I mean, for the first two and a half games of that Tampa series, you could argue that he was Detroit's one of Detroit's top three players, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I think the issue that we have is we shouldn't fall for the narrative when we're talking about such a short time span. So, yes, Luke Glendening played two and a half of his best games of his career, and they happen to be consecutive. But if we look at the other 150 games or whatever he's got in his career, there's not much there. And it's it's hard, but I can definitely see that that's where the narrative fell, and everyone's going, oh, if Glenn Denning hadn't gotten hurt, hadn't hurt his hand, we would have beaten Tampa. And if that had happened, this Glenn Denning mania would be even further. But 
I think we have to objectively step back, look at all the data we have, look at, and also just use the eye test. And so part of what I'm trying to work on now is to back up all these numbers. Another thing I work on is systems-based analysis. I want to take a look at why, why does Glenn Denning get backed up and why did Miller get backed up in their own zone? And I think if we're able to show that on video to fans, um, that might help swing the narrative back the other way. But it definitely started exactly like you said. I think that's where it hit full throttle. Got two good old Michigan boys. They work hard. They play hard. They block shots. Uh, so everyone really likes that in a blue-collar state like Michigan. And the, the last question I have is the absolute horrendous decision, in my opinion, to put Landon Ferraro on waivers a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I, I think Glenn Denning would get claimed. I don't have any doubt in that. But there is no way to me that anyone puts a bid on either Joachim Anderson or Drew Miller if the Red Wings decide to uh, try to send them down to Grand Rapids and keep Landon Ferraro, a player who, you know, obviously I'm not that well-versed in all the analytics for the NHL, but in the AHL last year scored a ton of even-strength goals, who now I think has three points in his first, what, three or four games with the Boston Bruins. It was just a disastrous decision. This is in hindsight. I mean, I think you and I and almost anyone – uh, who follows the Red Wings closely and, and believes in mathematics? So you know what are they doing? It just it makes no sense, and it's just the latest in blunders. To, it seems to me that Ken Holland has made because he doesn't have someone like you, like the Tigers went and got you know Christopher Long. They went and mm-hmm. hired the, uh, what the uh, guy from uh, from Apple. They, they are building up an analytics department. I, I think you need to send Holland your resume or something. I, I just don't get it. I don't think they have anyone like you in the front office. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. I have no idea about that role of that guy they hired this summer. And, and it's I'd like to see something more about how they're using him. Um, and maybe it's all behind the scenes. And with me being remote site, I'm not. Not a, I'm not privy to that. But well, it, the, what, do you think, the beat, what do you think, Answer Khan, Helene St. James, or – you know, Ted Colfer is going to question Ken Holland no, about they're it. They're, absolutely not. they're all they're just they're they're just riding the gravy train. And if anyone says questions the guy, they just throw up the playoff streak. I mean, there's there's just no coverage of this team that like the like we, we just talked about for the last fifteen or twenty minutes. You're not hearing this anywhere. It just and this is supposedly yeah. hey hey hockey town. And it, it, it's just it's it's just it's very upsetting that the only place you're getting any sort of critique of this organization is on on blogs like yours or mine. Yeah, and it, it's very it's very interesting because if you look at a lot of the other big hockey markets, I mean they're they're inundated with statistics guys and inundated with guys who are always challenging our perceptions and challenging what we believe. And I think in hockey town, we're so ingrained in we've made the playoffs for twenty plus years, and we clearly have a system that works, so we don't need to change. But we really need to be staying ahead of the game here. We should be on the frontier being the guys that are pioneering new things as a way to continue to stay successful, your one system is not going to work for 30 years or 35 years. And that's why, you know, over the last three, four years, we've had a lot of close calls to missing the playoffs. And eventually it's going to happen if we don't start trying to reinvent what we're doing. Uh, I appreciate you joining us. It was very informative. You can follow him at I-Y-E-R-E-R-I-R underscore Prashanth, P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T-H. 
He is with Winging and Motown. We hope to have you in the future talking about this stuff. Um, I really think it's a. I, I know that you're trying to inform Red Wings fans. I think we're trying to do the same thing. Not everything can be just uh, you know just goofing around and you know ranting and raving at people. I think sometimes you've got to give some information. I think you're doing a great job, and I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. All right, and tell your mom once again. I, I'm sorry for the <laughs> headhunter lyrics with Isha. I mean, no, you're totally completely fine. uncalled Thanks. for. I didn't know she was going to be listening, or I would have played some uh, something a little more appropriate. All right, no, thanks a lot, good. Prashanth. We're going to be back uh, after the break. We're going to play a little more rap music. Hopefully, Mrs. Iyer is tuned out. What do we got now? What do you got? Ghetto Boys or something? Or uh, no, I have a. Uh... Devil Made Me Do It. And oh, Paris. Pub- yeah, and Public yeah. Enemy Can't okay. Trust That. Okay, well, man, that's a little better than what we played the last break. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. We're going to maybe talk some lines, and then I'm unfortunately going to get John Paul Morosi's name engraved into my head. <laughs> this is a previously recorded episode. Back on the DSR podcast for December 1st. We are just waiting for... Brad. Brad the barber. Yeah. Brad the barber beefcake to show up with his uh, trimming utensils or whatever they're called to carve John Morosi's head into the back of my – her name into the back of my head. I'm curious for going back to that last segment for the feedback on Prashant because I I, I think that was one of the more enlightening, informative discussions we've had in our time here and really in any of the DSR podcast formats – I think we're all smarter for having spoken to him, and uh, I would like to have him on as a regular guest maybe every other week. Uh, some really interesting stuff. So, again, uh, a thank you to him if he's still listening for appearing, and I'm curious for what the, the listeners thought of that segment and if we should have him back as often as I think we should because I, I thought that was just a, an excellent segment. Yeah, the thing is, is I think, you know, it's 2016 almost, and baseball advanced metrics have been around for a while, and I think even, a, you know, a bunch of – Morons can at least go now to fan graphs and see uh, some of the more basic numbers. I, I would say I think it's been easily adopted. Hockey still, I mean, even for me, and I, you know, a huge hockey fan, huge Red Wings fan. It's still, it's, it still, it doesn't seem like it's as easy to gain get access to for some reason. I, I don't know, I don't know why, but it just seems like I'm. You can go to fan graphs and you could spend hours just looking at that stuff and trying to figure it out. So it's good to get the explanation behind some of these numbers and what they mean. Um, I mean, the ones that it, seem, it seems like where people are relying are the shots against, shots, shots against, shots for, the possession numbers. But it's all interesting stuff, and especially when those numbers match up to what you think you're seeing on the ice. It just gives you... Gives you some more backup. And like I said, hopefully at some point the Red Wings will enter the 21st century like the Tigers have and go out and get someone to help them because it's really it's really pathetic. The, the, the Ferraro thing, I know, and, and people will say, oh, Ferraro, he's a fourth-line guy, this and that. He's not going to be a big and – they, and, and Red Wings fans say that every time, you know, when they traded Kali Yonkrok. Oh, you know, he's no big deal. And then they got, then they traded uh, Matthias Janmark, I think is the pronunciation, and now they got rid of Ferraro. It's like they're giving away assets for basically nothing, and it, it's just infuriating. And at some point, uh, you know, 
when they miss the playoffs for that first time in 24, 25, 20, however many years it ends up being, then people are going to be like, well, what happened? And, you know, it's it just, it, it just, you can see it happening now, and, and really nobody's commenting. And, it's, and a lot of it is because, like we touched on at the end of that interview, is it, and I mentioned this with Schuling yesterday, as bad as the Tigers beat writers are, and McCoskey and Ayat and Fennec are not very good, there's no saving grace, really, other than Bob Duff with the Red Wings. There's, and the, Bob the, Duff is inherently limited by right. budget and, and you know, yeah, the, and he's, he's logistics, yeah, foreign country, and yep. yeah, he doesn't travel. And you know, how many people really are in tune to the Windsor Star in, in this area? You know, they're going to read the free press and the news. And and Helene St. James, Answer Khan, and Ted Colfin are horrible at their job. They do nothing. When have they? I mean, you just learn more in fifteen or twenty minutes from Prashanth, more than anything you've ever learned from that those idiots. I, th- I think even Ken Holland himself would have been lost. In that <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I, I, I think he would have no idea what what he was talking about. It, it, they just they they just regurgitate press releases. They go to practice half the time. They can't even get the potential line matchups that are going to be on the ice that night or the next night correct no probing questions it, it, it's 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 so aggravating that nobody in this town will ask the question why did you not release drew millard you don't have to be rude just ask the question do you think if you would have put drew miller on waivers any of the other teams in the league would have bid on him just that's the question and he's going to say you'll get an answer on the record. It's going to be a bad answer from Ken Holland. Uh, but but putting the question out there is making a statement. I mean that's that's sort of the function of a journalist in right. a lot of ways. Is just you, you're making a statement by positing the question. And I, I think the question is self evident, regardless of what Holland would say. And of course, you know he's not going to answer truthfully or how that should be answered or how we would desire for, for it to be answered. But uh, the moves that they're making, I, I'd be curious to examine the landscape of the National Hockey League. We're very familiar in baseball with which uh, which departments are analytical leaning. Uh, there was a great article on ESPN about it uh, last season about you know which organizations are the best at it. I'm curious. It seems like it's not a major, if even a minor, component in front offices right now. I, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm just speculating. Uh, certainly none that I've heard. And I cannot it, believe you put that thing comparing me to – I told you not to do it. You look like Jared Fogle. I do not picture. look like Jared Fogle. In that picture, you look like Jared Fogle, a little bit. Jared Fogle wishes he looked that good, and I'm not even a good-looking guy. I, I, I'm just saying in that picture, you slightly resemble him. Everyone look at Darko State News. I just tweeted it out. A picture of Jeff Moss – Next to Jared Fogle. Sean th- Windsor looks like Jared Fogle. I he look, also looks like Jared I do not, Fogle. I do not look like Sean Windsor, motherfucker. We will fight right now. <laughs> Listen, I'm about to get John Morosi's fucking name cut into my head. You're on edge right I'm, now. I'm on edge. So really, the best thing to do wouldn't be to compare me to Sean Windsor in the looks department. I will throw something at you. I just let the people decide. The people, the, okay. The, you know, no. You just said when you ask a question, it's making a statement. So don't backtrack <laughs> from that, Dick. Uh, Touche. I can't argue that. I, I well, I've. I'm not hiding the statement. It's, there's nothing veiled about it. Oh, thanks. Uh, but I'm just in those in that picture. Look at, at Darko State News. I tweeted it out. It looks a lot like him in that picture. But alas, 
We're waiting for the barber. We have a few minutes. Can we get back I mean, to the Breed Rush for one second? Yeah, You've sure. got St. James, who I think that scarf she wears has cut off circulation to her head. Uh, she's a fanboy, a fangirl, whatever you want to call her. Uh, answer Khan, I'd rather listen to Hansi from the Howard Stern Show, Imran Khan, discuss NHL, uh, the Red Wings, as I think BCAV said yesterday on Twitter. Cole fan is like a poor man's Chris McCoskey. Then you've got that Greg Krupa. Have you ever seen this gentleman's work? Greg Krupa spoke to my journalism class at Michigan State. What did he tell you about how the elves in the North Pole uh, he work was, around the clock preparing for Christmas? I'll, Have you ever I'll, seen this guy? I, I've met him. I, I'll say he's very marble-mouthed, uh, and I, I, I was not fond of his, his appearance at Michigan State. I'll say that. Um, the guy, you he, know, I was told that the guy has a restraining order against Gary Miles, who was like the managing editor of the Detroit News. Like, I used to get like a PPO against him or something. I, I don't know why, but this the, the man's supposedly insane. This uh, that's that's the coverage we get from this from this town. Why don't you ask your friend Katie Strange if she can like moonlight or something? Maybe we can pay her under the table. Uh, you know, it's one of those under an assumed name since she's an NHL person doesn't even want to be covering the Tigers in baseball for ESPN. Kate, Katie is a a beacon of hope in this town, and I, you know, I felt bad for her because she was very public, in my opinion, very open about being disappointed to be taken off the you know the hockey beat for the, uh, ESPN.com. But what what a gift to us! I mean, this was like a, just the golden parachute coming from the sky. Who would have thought it would have come from the worldwide leader? It's been so bad in this town, and I must have told her a hundred times how much we appreciate the work that she does, and we highly recommend following her if you're not already on Twitter and reading her stuff. But really, the only no-frills Tigers coverage you get is from Tony Paul or Katie Strang at this point. I mean, it, it's an absolute embarrassment. And then you know, is it you look Strang? Right, is that how you pronounce it? I believe I think so. I call her Strange. I think it's strange, but yeah, there's no well, which, whichever it is. And the the Red Wings, at least with the Tigers, you know, you have. A couple options. It's like that. It's just a dearth with the Red Wings. There's just nothing there. It's an empty cupboard. Yeah, people always bash us. Say, "Oh, you think everyone's horrible?" But like the Lions writers, even the backup guy. I mean, Justin Rogers. I mean, Justin Rogers does a great job. I think even Carlos Monterez. I think he does a pretty decent. We've had four of the the Lions guys as guests on our shows in different versions. Carlos Monterez would be like the probably the best beat writer for the Tigers, even though he's you know probably the fifth or sixth guy. For the Lions, I mean, it just it just those it's, those guys those guys Illich bomb is, the Lions on Twitter every game. It's, it's such even a, when they're winning. Like the other day, they're Katz winning by Saint bombs them. They were bombing day. Caldwell for not pulling Stafford out when they were up by like forty points, which is which was accurate. It was the right thing to say because that dummy Caldwell with that stupid cigar store Indian look on his face after the game, saying no lead, no lead is uh, big enough. When every sports—that's the thing. Why do they? Why do these people treat us like we're dummies? From Illich telling us that money's no obstacle when we know what it is, to Caldwell telling us no leads big enough in this league. I mean, why can't anyone just shoot straight? Why can't we're, we're not children? We can take it. We're not going anywhere. Nobody's gonna. I just think it's stupidity. Well, I, that's I, why we love Stan Van Gundy so much. It's because he doesn't care about any of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's talk about that real just, quick. Yeah. Just the Pistons in general. No, let's talk about I, last night. You went to the game. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I bought a single off StubHub. I got front row behind the Houston Rockets bench. 
uh, for it was like 68 bucks, and that's including fees. So I had to take it. Uh, I'm a big fan of going as a solo rider uh, at these games at the last minute, hours before tip, 50, 60 bucks, best seat in the house other than on the floor. So, uh, you know, back in my day, I used to, to give it to teams pretty pretty badly when our season tickets were right behind the bench. And when the team went in the tank, my dad bailed and we no longer have those seats. So it was nice to get back in that section. And Dwight Howard was such an easy target. I was going on, uh, going in on him pretty hard. Um, nothing inappropriate. Uh, I never swear or say anything uh, really off color, but uh, I got some spirited responses from Dwight Howard. So what did you say to Howard? I was, I was on him all game. I told him Kobe Bryant's retiring and can't hurt him anymore. Um, I did the goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, you know, I, I told him that all 56 of his children were appalled by his performance in the game because he was playing very poorly. <laughs> I, I think time four fouls I know and you, four points. I, I know you said 56 children. I think the accurate number is eight from eight different yes, women. And, that we know about. And is, and is the guy know. next to you, I think, said, this is the – this is the person who entered the league as what an eighteen-year-old out of high school, saying he was going to change the NBA and he was, you know, bring Christ to the NBA. The, he said that he was the a cross. The cross would replace Jerry West as the logo, literally. Yeah. you can look up that. He, I mean, he said that. he was Tim Tebow times like a thousand yeah. when he came into. He the was NBA. Tim Tebow. He was basketball. He was worse. Tim Tebow. Uh, <laughs> Tim Tebow never Tim suggested that they were going to change the NFL logo, the shield, to a cross. Yeah, I mean, Tim That's... Tebow's right up there. I have some interesting Tim Tebow stories, too, from uh, our good friend uh, of uh, my friend's brother-in-law. But, yeah, that's another story. Um, I, I'll, you know, I'll say this. Uh, I, I would say Tebow is worse, but Dwight Howard, as far as a guy that's just not likable – uh, he's right up there. So we were giving it to him pretty hard the whole game. Oh, shit. And, uh, oh, <laughs> the Brad's bar. in the house. Brad, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to interrupt this oh, crap. subject right now. But, yeah, Dwight Howard was mean, and, and I didn't like him. That's the end. Thank you. He gave the, you the finger? He gave me the finger, oh. yep. Uh, I didn't see it at first. The guy behind me said, he's flicking you off. He's flicking you off. So I, I saw him. He had it. Like, he didn't hold it up in the air, obviously. He'd already be fine by now. He held it, um, like, against his hip, like, on his uh, on his shorts. Uh, but very, he was staring staring me down when he did it, and he held it apparently for five or six seconds. I only caught. The and then tail there was end. a guy defending him behind you. The guy right behind me was defending him the whole game. And uh, after the game, Howard kind of pretended like he was going to hand me the jersey, like a, yeah, you know, we're you know we're cool, man, kind of thing. I knew I didn't buy it. He ends up lobbying it to the guy behind me who had been defending him the whole game. I got a picture of that that I tweeted out. That yeah, was cool. He gave him the jersey. Though. It was really cool. I, I said it was cool. Game worn jersey. The, the I mean, guy like right off the guy's back with like ten seconds left on the clock. Um, that guy but, should have given you like fifty bucks. Uh, did I? Did I? I don't even know if I even mentioned on Twitter. The guy was very thankful to me, saying like, "Hey, you were the perfect foil." He goes, "You're the perfect foil." Like I, I should tear half of this off for you. I, I wouldn't have gotten it if it weren't for you bashing him the whole game. So, you know, it all ended okay. I, I do think it was weak that Howard complained to security when I didn't say anything inappropriate. I mean, it's it, me saying that Kobe couldn't hurt him anymore was what prompted him to signal security uh, a little much. Um, the usher. The comment about not going out past ten. It was already past yeah, ten o'clock. Wasn't yeah. that the famous quote that, that Howard? Was, that's what he did. That was what led to the middle finger. Um, <laughs> the, that was that was about an hour after the Kobe can't hurt you anymore. Um, I said, hey, because I was basically hitting, you know, hitting him the whole game for, you know, Kobe was his daddy, kind of made him his bitch kind of thing, which is true out in L.A. That he just he was he would cry at night because Kobe was too mean to him, and so you know I said, hey, does uh, does Kobe know you're out past ten o'clock? 
and that got the that was right at the end of the game. The clock was winding down, and the middle finger came down. Um, so yeah, it was it was an interesting couple hours. Uh, the section was really eating it up. Uh, we had we had some fun with it, but lesson as always is that Dwight Howard's a punk and he sucks. All right, so I think we're going to try to get Brad in here to get the logistics of what's going to happen here. Um, you got to hand me your phone so I can Periscope. Well, we're not going to do it. We're going to take a break first, but I want to okay. like find out like what are my options here. There's no and, options. Yes, there are options. Make it as ostentatious as possible. No, no. Shut, don't listen to this guy. I'm the one that's paying, and I'm the one that's getting my head carved. <laughs> do not listen to this guy at all. So, like, is there a way to do this where it's not going to be, like, really horrible? Not horrible. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, we're bringing we're bringing the, the barber in here. So Brad, Brad, Brad. and where are you, where are you work where do you work? Uh, if you want to mention it, I work in Warren. I'm at Jingles Barbershop. Okay, all right. So you have a lot of experience in carving things into people's head. Oh yeah, I do one probably every day. Okay, right. never probably the name of a Fox Sports baseball. Yeah, how many of them were the result of, of a lost, lost bet? bet? <laughs> That's what I want. I mean, because uh, I have to think you get at least a few guys that lost a bet that are in there. I would think. Maybe not. Not any that have told me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you get to get to sort of break that streak, and you're actually doing this, uh, you know, not of your own volition. So I'm excited for this. Uh, I'm going to be periscoping this from Jeff Moss's phone. So just look at Jeff Moss DSR. He will be periscoping this in a couple minutes um, when we come back for break. But I just, how are you feeling right now going into this before we cut off? Well, I mean, I mean this is like, is it, can you do it low? Like, down like here? He's, he's no, trying to no, squirm no, no, out of no, it no, being no, so no. obvious. It's a lost bet. We're going to do the whole head wrap around. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. Thank you. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Thank wrap around? What? what? This is yeah. great. Thank you. going to fill the whole head. That's right. Not see? the whole. No, no, no. Not no, the not top. The... Not the top. Just all the way around the sides. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's... that's what I was expecting. Yeah. We can't do this in like aerial six I, point. I feel times. like he wants it to, I want us it like, to no, do it four to where point. Like we right can lift up the hair and then flip it back over. Yeah, exactly. So no, that doesn't no, count. No, man. that's what I've been saying. Well, for you had to find long. someone who was a vigilante about this, Jessica. It's professional. You're not being professional about this whole thing. You're I'm not being to, professional. Yeah, you're trying to wriggle out of it. Do I have to get? This is like when Kate Winslet was <laughs> laughing on the couch during Titanic. It's like you got to <laughs> keep your shit together. You got an artist in the house. I understand he's, that, but he's gonna I've like, got to go to like, insurance work tomorrow. I can't imagine Moshe well, Monet blushing. You know, we can always shave it after. Or wear a hat. It's a lost I'm yeah. hat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, all right. well, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm not weaseling my way out of this at, at all. Hey, Brad, since people are going to see your so work, where can they? This, this guy or this oh, guy? Oh, this guy. He's all nervous. Is our next guest yeah. Moss's divorce attorney? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you if, you know, you want to draw people in. Well, yeah, it's, it's really like, hard to find there's somebody There's actually to do a few this. thousand people listening to this, believe it or not. The only reason why I was able to uh, find the you The shop's is called Jingles. Lucky. It's been there 50 years. It's located on uh, Nine Mile Van Dyke, 22555. And they just come in and Van ask Dyke. for Brad if they want a designer yeah, or something done on their Come in and ask for Brad. You come in, you can ask for Chris, too. For Chris? Uh, you can check me out on my Instagram. You know, it's uh, B-R-A-D-D-J Dale. Or check me out on my Facebook. I'm not even going to look at any of that before. I'm going to I'm just closing my eyes, and I'm just going to hope for the best. It's going to replace Pornhub on the bookmark page. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be looking at all this guy's <laughs> designs. 
and, and just uh, this whole seven minute break is going to be me just dreaming. You know, you can add more than one. All right. Mark, well, right? we're going to periscope. Okay. I said the top spot though, in the one. Position, All right, the one position. So we'll be back. Uh, you're going to have to carry the show when we come back because I'm going to be in no mood to even talk. Yeah, yeah, you're probably Jessica. You and, I can't leave. He's going to be cutting my it's hair. Okay, we'll so just make fun of you for the last you know twenty minutes or so. Oh man, no, I'll be fine. Yeah. All right. At Jeff Moss DSR Periscope. Get there yeah, now. Yeah, okay. We're going to break. EPA Hustler, you know. This is a previously recorded episode. Welcome back to the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. This is a very exciting time. We're not going to waste any time because there's a show after us and we're already up against it. This is Moss getting John Palm Rosie's name. Um, Cut, carved into his head. I, I, this is so exciting for me. JP Morosi. JP Morosi. We've okay. We've agreed on JP Morosi. Moss has declined my proposal to have a. Um, what are what am I? I'm, what am I getting feedback on? One second. I just want to. He's procrastinating. He keep, he's trying to this procrastinate to see if we run out of time for. Please no, turn no, your radio so down. Can start it. Is that my phone that I'm hearing right now? Yeah, I got to yeah. show your followers. Why? Oh, we're starting this, so hopefully, hopefully the the people are watching this. <laughs> so, I'm not sure what he's thinking right now. I I don't know how much, if any, Melissa Moss knows about this. I don't know if this is something that has been shared in the Moss household. This feels like I'm just getting my head shaved. Well, that's part of it. I I, I gotta say, when you made that bold statement about the Nationals, we need. It, you, Chris, right? Yeah. You need to give like a play-by-play. He needs to get on the mic. Yeah, I like, agree. Explain what's going yeah. on. If Jessica can, you like need to explain uh, what's going on because you're like Chris does this also. So yet, he kind of like knows. Yeah. There's another one. Another brilliant hair artist right here. Thank you. I think well, you're. Do this one. Right so there you go. Okay. So anyway, can I get the reason a too? we're yeah, doing no this I'm not because today. you're so fine. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. John Morosi in what April said on Twitter. That the Washington Nationals would not make I'll get it. the playoffs. The playoffs, which was at that they were at the time the third or fourth favorite in Vegas to win it all. Second, third, fourth, or something there. Win the division. Division. Yeah, maybe one to nine. You would think at, at the very least they grab a, a wild card spot. I thought it was just Morosi looking to get attention by making some outlandish predictions. So I said I would get my his name shaved into my head. Yeah, I can't wait to see when it's done. Can you please tell me how much, if any, Melissa knows about this? Does she know about this? She knows. Oh. Does she laugh at you? You know, the, the, the thing is, is like my dad is going through radiation and chemo oh, for cancer treatment. So I figured, like, it would be like solidarity. Like, worst comes to worst, I got to get it like shaved into my head and I can shave my complete head. Like, you know, how they always do that when people have cancer. Yeah. And then my dad didn't lose his hair. Oh man, it's like the one silver lining you had out of that whole thing, and yeah, like the one silver lining. Yeah. He's got his hair, and I'm not going to have my hair in about. Well, I don't even know. I don't even want to see what it looks about like. About ten, right? 10 minutes, time. probably. I don't get. It doesn't <laughs> look good. I, if you're if you're trying to make this look good, isn't that no? He want he's going to make it look good. I mean, he's going to be as professional as he can do it. But yeah. I mean, I'm not taking anything away. This guy obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. I'm just talking about he's the time. Make, I'm talking about the time. I know. I know he's trying to make adjusters who walk around. You know. No, no. He's going to make it fit your head. Oh, it, well, I know. I'm. Well, yeah, I have well, no he's doubt he's go. that he's going to do a great job. Yeah. The question is, are my clients going to be thrilled with my name? Someone's 
a, I think a, a sports writer. I think they would. There's something you think they're going to like it? Yeah. I don't know. There's something about a, a Jewish guy having his hair shaved off against his own will. That just, <laughs> it really, it really, it really Are you getting disinfected after this? No. <laughs> are they going to take your clothes? Try to hold still, Spiro. You don't make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to be fucked up. <laughs> I think I... I'm just looking forward the, to seeing uh, it when it's done. How many people are in the room watching? People, uh, 151. That's it? People uh, People want to know if there's any room to add Fennec in the in the hair, too. <laughs> no, there's no more room. What? To another guy's name that don't like. <laughs> I don't think my Holocaust humor has been approved uh, in the Periscope universe. So who's on there? Like, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be like, calling a press conference to apologize. Who's asking questions? I don't know. I'm not even looking at the names. I'm just looking at the words. What are the questions? Maybe there's some questions we can answer. Uh, can you fit Fennec? Yeah. Nice Holocaust joke. <laughs> <laughs> the barber looks like huge. <laughs> uh, yeah. hey, hey, don't insult the guy who's cutting my hair. <laughs> it's not, no, it's not an insult. It's just an observation. Um, yeah. Do you like the David Price deal? That's what, the question that just came in. Like yeah, for, for who? Red Sox. Fan. Yeah, for the Red Sox. I mean, they're printing money down there. It's like... You know, one of my friends just said, I can't believe they paid him that much money. It's like, who cares? They, they print money in Boston. They had to get it. They had to get them. Chances we get another outfielder, Jed Schilling wants to know. Impact corner outfielder, I assume he, he Doesn't seem like there's any chance. Well, can never say no chance. Yeah, and then you could. Yeah. <laughs> just no say. It, it's, oh, well, I'm not going to read the, the last mean comment from someone. Cause what was it? It's about me? Yeah. What was it? Well, I mean, it's not very productive. Who was it from? Oh, did you hear back from 105.1 on your no, uh, no, I lost internship that. tryout? I lost that. Do you think Chris Illich is making all of the Detroit Tigers calls right now? No. Are you wearing a hat to your facilitation tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Who's asked that? I don't know. They're coming up fast. Are you wearing a hat tomorrow? Krieger wants to know. Krieger yeah. is surprised that Jared Fogle's on release like, already. What? Krieger wants to know how Jared Fogle's already on release. That's <laughs> not, who said that? Oh, someone just said Moss is not bald or fat. Those trolls were wrong. So you got some support. I'm going to be bald and fat real soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be bald. So there, there's Jessica. We'll bring Jessica in here for a second. Uh, I need to get my eyebrows waxed. Take that thing off me. Okay. <laughs> But I, I just want to bring you in at least to the, to the yeah, conversation. Okay. Tell me about why you were so excited for, for this man's big day today. Because he's going to look stupid after, and I'm amused by that. Don't say that. He's what? Do you think it's like, uh, I mean, it's not going <laughs> to, I'm sure this guy, is, Brad's very good at what he does, but it's just funny to see you with something carved into your head, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking forward to this for weeks now. Uh, this is uh, this is the most excited I've ever been for one of our shows. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So what's going on, Chris? What's he doing? He's shaving your head. Yeah, Chris, come in there here. What's, what's the play-by-play? Pretty much. What's going what through the barber's mind at this exact okay. moment? Is it? Okay. Yeah, put yourself in right Brad's shoes. What's what going on? Give doing? me the Phil Sims. Like, okay. you're, you're Brad the barber here. Like what's Right the, now he's like, fuck, I don't know anything about sports. No, but what's he doing with my head? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. What he's thinking. Okay. So no. you got to cut the hair down to get it to a point where he can, like, carve it in, yeah. right? Yeah. Pretty much he just made, like, his fade line where he's going to fade it at right now. And then now and now he's just going to get it a little bit lower and do the design, pretty much. Right. Where so this gonna, is just kind of the prep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Prep Prepping okay. it. Prepping it. So Prepping like the long, canvas. 
how, how do you like learn how to like do the artwork? Like you have to like teach yourself. You yeah. teach yourself basically. Yeah, I think so. Who, who is it? Like trial and error. Who like volunteers yeah, for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You just, you absolutely. Just, somebody it's like, yo, tell him you can do it, and you ends up good. Either right, or it's like, oh, hey, bro, let me put a couple stars you, in so your you head. Like, do, so really, you like one a day. Yeah, one a day. What, what kind of shit do you do? Is it like initials? Like what kind of shit do you carve <laughs> into people's head? Freestyle, freestyle. Whatever. So you're telling me a lightning bolt is not possible today? No, there's no lightning bolt. A lightning bolt would look sweet. JP, yeah. a lightning bolt would look cool. Can you imagine Moss walking into insurance uh, adjusting appointments with a lightning bolt carved into his head? <laughs> no, Hell no, yeah. I can't. <laughs> He's about to get me some insurance, lightning quick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that could be his trademark. Yeah. Lightning, no lightning quick, quick. <laughs> lightning <laughs> quick adjustments. Hey, the owner of the network, aka Dave Phillips, wants to know where he can watch you getting your uh... Periscope at Jeff Moss DSR. Yeah, if you don't have Periscope by now, you just you're or you can just go on work. Twitter and like it's a link on there too right now. Okay. How many people are in the room, Spiro? Uh, 114. Bcab wants to know how long you have to keep this before you can like do something you address. I'm just gonna let it grow back. Just let it grow. So it's well, indefinite. It. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't know how long does it take to grow back. It'll grow out in like a week, week and a half. So oh, we can get You only have to look ridiculous for ten days. That's yeah, so that's bad. not bad at all. This is artwork. Will you stop. You're not yeah. the one with a trimmer up against your neck. I, I'm sure, it is I'm artwork. Sure he does excellent work. I, I don't think he sees the artistic intrinsic value of John Paul Rose's name <laughs> to the skull. I don't think he's going to be defensive over that. <laughs> this is so great. You look so miserable right now. You just look, you, you just look so I look mad. The same as I always do, which is miserable. But I'm no more miserable now than I usually am. You just look very unhappy about the situation, which in turn makes point. makes me happy. You, gotta, you just got to let it go. Not that I dislike you. I'm just very easily amused. I I, I panned uh, the camera to Jessica for like six seconds, and there were uh, 37 people being like, "Oh, go back to her." <laughs> but I've been told I can't do that. But oh, that's because so, I have a tank top on my boobs. Are showing. Well, Jessica apparently has many fans on Periscope now, more than you and I combined, I'm sure. But from a three second pan, how about that? Are there so, a lot of hearts? I mean, yeah. We're under 100 people now, though. I guess uh, that's you could be classified as a disappointment. But Well, yeah, but how many people are on there? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't count those people. <laughs> What's going on? You should come over here and look at my. I'm going to. I want to see what's happening. I've been waiting weeks for this. What's going on in my Twitter? Like, people saying anything? Oh, I have to pull that up. I mean, this is this is something I, I, I got to give you credit, man. I didn't think you would nut up and do this. I <laughs> thought you would find a way out of this. I thought you'd beg out of it. Oh. Moss is nothing if not a man of his word. You got to give him that. This is true. I got to give you credit. A lot of people would back out. I mean, uh, there's yeah, kids in college with nothing yeah. to lose that wouldn't do this. This guy is in a respectable profession. You're trying to figure out how many letters you need? How much space you need for this? Wait till these people walk in and see what's going on. Someone just said you look like Adolf Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) So, so far you've gotten Hitler and Jared Fogel. I mean, all the irony in somebody calling him that because he's Jewish. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Well, it's not just me, it's something I don't even want to say on the air. Um, That's extremely funny. Jared Fogel, the subway guy? Yeah. Yeah. His last name is Fogel? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. Jared Fogel. So being compared to Hitler and Jerry Fogel in the same half-hour block is... Poor Jeff. That's a rough tough go. day. I mean, Hitler and Fogel? Are you I sure guess. you don't want to drink, man? <laughs> I got to drive home. I know. I, I was kidding. Can't really get a DUI. Well, it's not worth it. And, you know, they're... Yeah. 
I don't think that. Imagine if I get a DUI. Oh, now they're saying you look like Kim Jong Il. So now you've you've <laughs> gotten you've gotten Kim, <laughs> Kim Jong Il, so Hitler, and Jared Fogel. So yeah, any any terrorist with dark people, hair, they're gonna call Jeff today. A child rapist. That, and that sounds Kim like, uh, actually like the best of all of them. That's the perfect segue into our uh, segment that I'm gonna break into a little bit while this is going <laughs> on. Nice. The sports top radio topics in Detroit right now because that does yeah, sound like that. a Mount Rushmore of shitty people. So let's. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Yeah, just Poor Jeff. Kim Jong Il, Hitler, and Jared Fogel. That's just a, a murderer's row of shit. There. I hope your wife gives you a big hug when you get home. You need I it now after all happen. that. <laughs> I might get kicked in the balls more likely. <laughs> okay, so while we're here talking Detroit sports, here's uh, a few of the radio topics in Detroit sports radio the past week. What is your favorite nude scene in a movie? Celebrities with odd physical traits. What is the worst Thanksgiving side dish? Wait, wait, wait. Why don't we just go through answer these questions? Go start again. We should. I mean, we got nothing actually, else to do. You want to actually answer them? Yeah, why not? I'm not going to answer this He's shit. not doing anything else right now except for getting uh, a name in his head. Uh, What's the first question? The first question? The What's first topic was just celebrities with odd physical traits. So are you going to do like Steve Buscemi's eyes? I mean, I'm sure that came up. Okay, go on. The next topic, what is your favorite nude scene in a movie? What's your favorite one? Favorite nude scene in a movie? I don't know. I have to think about it. I mean, there's. I, I, does the Cruel Intentions Reese Witherspoon Ryan Fleetby sex scene count as a nude scene? No, it's partial nude. PG thirteen met Cruel Intentions, wasn't it? I think it's R. Is it really? Yeah, yeah you're, you're talking about, about like yeah, it's R, it's R. anal sex for three hours. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was R. I don't right. think they want any thirteen year olds uh, consuming that type of media. But no, I mean, uh, I don't, don't know. Don't you think you should get on the other side of Brad over on my side and like? Get in a view on the periscope of what's going on? Yeah. I can talk. Uh, you can talk. All right. I'm going to take your headphones that. off. I'm gonna, yeah, well, thanks. I'll do that. Or Jessica and I Are you can going talk. to luck? He wants to know. You should go periscope what's going on. Okay. Can you before you periscope? Did you start the name already? Yeah. J&P, I think, right? I can feel it. It's still early on the game here. Yeah, we've got about six minutes left. <laughs> you know what? Right? No, we'll go in the other room. We're going to keep doing the periscope. We're just going to get off the radio show. Oh, okay. Someone's telling me to do the panoramic view, but I thought uh, periscope didn't do that. Yeah, it does it. It does do that now? All right, we'll switch. There we go. <laughs> That's new, then. They changed that. Kind of the same. We're going to run out of time. We are going to finish this. Um, I'm Periscope. People are bombing us for a 97.1-esque gimmick on the air today, but that's fine. It's not a gimmick. What's your gimmick? You know what? No. No. It kind of is like doing something just to attract an audience, cheap, I guess. Cheap thrills. Nothing really you know what? We should probably sign off like in a minute so yeah. yeah, so you can prepare for the next show. Yeah, we'll have to actually clear out. And then, and then we'll uh, go do We'll finish it in the we'll pick hall. it back up when it's a little closer to completion. Is that all right? But... Well, yeah, we can cut off in like a minute if you want to. All right. And then we'll just continue it on Periscope. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to probably end the Periscope now. And then we'll bring it back since people are being very mean. Who's being mean? Everybody. Everyone? Nobody had anything nice to say about Jeff? No. Poor Jeff. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up yeah, this we're show. Gonna, we're going to wrap this up. I'm we'll going to continue on Periscope. 
at Jeff Moss DSR to watch the end of this. Uh, we'll pick the Periscope back up, and we'll have to end it right now. Got to let the next show get in here. Thank you for listening to the Detroit Sports Rag podcast. We'll be picking up on Periscope with Kim Jong-un in just a few minutes. Thank you to Jessica. Thank you to our barbers and all of our guests. We'll be back on Periscope soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. This is a previously recorded episode of